0: ION 2020 episode 167. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton. Thank you for joining me on ION 2020. This is your Friday edition, and I appreciate all those who continue to join me every single day, Monday through Friday, for the news-related events, all those things that go on in the 2020 election. I try to cover all these candidates, or policies, their positions, and all that good stuff, just so that you can be more informed and aware. I follow these Democrats on Twitter and on Facebook, just to make sure that I know what they're talking about, because... And yeah, I agree it's hard. I know that I know what you're thinking. You're like, "Man, Ray is really stepping up for me because he is making sure that he's following these guys on Facebook and Twitter. And when you go through their Twitter feeds, I mean, it is painful sometimes to listen to some of these candidates. You got Democrats and Republicans. It's it's painful all around, I would say. Even on the libertarian side, it's sometimes pretty painful to to listen to these people talk as well. So, uh just cuz I hate hearing promises. I hate hearing false promises. I hate people that think that they know better than everybody else. I mean, I I think you guys realize that I might be relatively humble in some ways in my views, where I don't think that I know everything, and I'm I'm willing to accept change. I'm willing to listen to other people. I'm willing to uh, reevaluate reevaluate my views if I get a good argument in front of me, you know, I, I've i always been that way, but a lot of politicians, they just think that they know everything, and they, they won't even apologize, I mean, I, actually I was listening to Donald Trump one day, it was a while ago, and they were saying, <laughs> it was some interview that I saw, and they were talking about, or they were asking Donald Trump if you ever ask God for forgiveness, and anyone that's like a Christian that claims to be a Christian, they're going to say something to the effect of, of course I ask God for forgiveness, because all men are sinners, and blah blah blah, right, so... You're gonna ask for forgiveness. Donald Trump couldn't even say that he asked God for forgiveness. To me, like that's just the epitome of a politician who really thinks that they just know everything. And uh, I'm, most politicians, pretty much, are the same way. You know, they just they will say things and they act like they know everything. It just drives me crazy. So, but I still follow it, guys. I do. I follow it on Twitter, on Facebook. I follow them all just to make sure that you are well informed. So uh so I appreciate you that you continue to come out every single day, listen to the show, and I will continue to do it until December. That's my plan. So or not December, sorry, until November of 2020. That's my plan. And uh there you know, it, even if I go beyond that a little bit, I might just because you got to see what happens after the election. Donald Trump gets elected, man, or reelected. I bet there'll be riots in the street. I'm sure about it. If a Bernie Sanders slash Elizabeth Warren, someone that's like a far-left candidate, ends up with a nomination and gets elected, you'll probably see lots of other riots in the street in some way by the people that are more conservative, the people that are, you know, anti- especially Trump supporters. I mean, what's going to happen if if Trump loses? Oh, my God. Will he call for revolution? I don't know. Will he call for rebellion? I, I have no idea. It's It's hard to tell. I mean, I remember... Back in 2014, 2015, when the election was going on, people said that no, Barack Obama wouldn't step down or anything like that, but I mean, there's always been a peaceful transfer of power in America, it's always been that way, and hopefully it happens in 2020 as well, if that happens to be a situation where Donald Trump ends up losing to somebody. Um, we'll see, I, I mean, the, it's hard to predict the future, guys, I've always said that as well. Um, But hey, guys, if it's your first time listening and you want to continue to listen tomorrow, well, thank you for listening, first of all. And if you want to listen tomorrow, the easiest thing for you to do is do what? Hit that subscribe button. Boom. You get onto that podcatcher, you hit that subscribe button, and you'll be able to hear the show tomorrow. You could also check out multiple episodes before this one 166 episodes before this one. So go ahead and check those out as well. You don't have to check them out, check out all of them, but check out a few. I think there's some interesting topics for, that I cover as well, covering all these candidates and their policies, positions, and so forth. Uh, some news of the day every so often as well, so I will cover that stuff as well. Uh, if you keep on ke- coming back and listening, well, I appreciate that. I really do. I notice listenership continues to grow every single day, so thank you for sharing the show with your friends. Thank you for uh, letting other people know what we're moving forward with here, and then go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review. That's always helpful as well. Helps other people that maybe you don't tell about the show to see the show or get to see the show as well in their podcast feed. When they type type in something to the effect of libertarian podcast, boom, there it is. I'll pull up and they'll love it. So I appreciate you doing that. Five-star rating review. If you'd like to, you could support the show as well. Anchor.fm slash ion2020. Over there, you'll be able to support the show. You could also leave me a voice message. And I will play those voice messages on the air if you want me to. Uh, but yeah, appreciate anyone that does that. And then IonTheEmpire.com is the website. You can type in on The Empire on Twitter and Facebook. You'll find me there as well. And also on Minds, come to think of it. So go ahead and do that, alright? But the thing I want to talk about today. So that was really interesting. I woke up and I see something that says. If there's this is Bernie Sanders on his Twitter feed. He says If there is going to be class warfare in this country, it's about time the working class won that war. So he's going on to this class warfare idea. That's something that was originally brought up in the 1800s, that there was some kind of class warfare, class... You know, the different classes are always battling each other and so forth. And it was originally brought up by... It wasn't originally brought up by the Marxists back in the 1800s, but it was something that they kind of caught on to as well. He never... Karl Marx never defined what he thought class was, but there's ideas that they're, you know, of what they what he thought they were. It was like the the rich, the capitalist class versus the the worker class, right? And they were always bad. But anyway, what Bernie's talking about is just saying if there is going to be class warfare in this country, it's about time the working class won that war. I don't know if this is directly supporting class warfare by any means, but I, th- I mean, I'm assuming that that's what he's talking about. If he says if there's going to be class warfare, it's about time the class working class won that war. Now, he always says that he's going to be the stand-up for the little man. He's going to be the one that stands up for the workers and so forth. That's fine. I like someone that's willing to stand up for the little man, stand up for the workers, right? But what he wants to do, in his mind, is use government force to push things forward. That's what his an- entire agenda is, is to take... The monopoly of force that the federal government has and hammer away at the wealthy and those that have property, those that are the factory you owners know, a capitalist class I was assume, I would assume and in some way take from them and give to those that are poor uh, set laws and so forth and, and you know you know what a law is if a law is always enforced at the barrel of a gun if you don't follow that law you go to jail and if you resist that you still get shot. So, what he's talking about is just this idea of class warfare. Now, let me tell you guys what I feel about that, okay? There are classes in this world, but the thing is is that there's different groups of people on how they get their wealth and how they get their power. There's capitalists who, or there's wealthy people who get their wealth by providing a product that somebody wants, By providing a service that somebody wants. And then they're able to expand that. They're able to get access to extra money. In order to build that business and so forth. There there are people that legitimately in this world. Have gotten rich. And gotten very wealthy. In a completely legitimate way. That's true. But there's also people. Who have gotten rich. Basically by using the power of the government to manipulate things so that they can like lessen the amount of market competition for their product or their service. They use the government to make that happen. And how, does, how do they do that? Let's say there's a Walmart in an area and they have a lot of political power within, within a community and there's going to be a target that's going to open up down the road They might use some political capital in order to make it so that that land can't get zoned for that target. Is that right? Is that wrong? That's definitely wrong because they are using the government in order to manipulate that market competition. It happens all the time as well with like licensing laws and so forth. So there's different laws that you'll get on the books as a business in order that are going to benefit your business. Car dealers have it. It's very hard to get a franchise dealership in a state. There's only a certain amount. Liquor licenses, very hard to get a liquor license in, in most states. And those that have those benefit through the fact that there's a law that keeps them in power. The large corporations, they're able to go, like Amazon, for example, doesn't pay taxes. They're able to go to a city and say, hey, I want to get... I want to have no taxes on this property and no taxes on our income for 25 years if we build a factory here and we'll employ these people. They're getting tax breaks, they're getting tax benefits because they're a large corporation and they have the ability to manipulate that system. Because everyone, every politician wants to say they brought Amazon to that town. It gets them reelected. You got a roads, let's say there's a company that builds the roads, right? There's a huge company that has all the equipment to build the roads and they start bidding on these different road projects. There's going to be a new highway that goes through town and there's like four or five companies that are vying for that job. And this politician, these particular politicians are going to be voting on that. Who are they going to be most likely to give that job to, to make sure that that bid goes to them? Who would it be? It would be the person that would donate to their political campaign. So they're using the monopoly of force that the government has. in And in the politicians, they're paying off the politicians in order to get riches for themselves. Now, if Bernie Sanders is talking about that type of class struggle, yes, I am completely against the ability of somebody to use the government's monopoly on force in order to get special favors for a corporation or an individual in order to enrich themselves. Absolutely. Totally wrong. And we should fight against that. So this is the type of class warfare that I'm talking about that I think is okay. But his type of thing, where we're just going to go and we're going to confiscate property from people and we're going to give it to other people, I think that that is definitely wrong and it's something that we should... Realize that, hey, all he's doing is trying to divide people up into specific groups in order to have a political agenda. Because there's there's two ways that somebody could get money. There's two ways. That's it. Productive effort through peaceful cooperation and trade or through violence. That's it. So if you, as a person, you want to get money, you want to get property, you want to get something you can do one of two things you can use peaceful means, you could grow let's say you want to grow some potatoes and sell them you're going to grow your potatoes on your property, you're going to sell them, somebody's going to give you money for it, that's a peaceful exchange no force was required there at all that person buys the potatoes, they take the potatoes, they make some french fries out of it, they sell them at their restaurant throw some ketchup on them. Eat them up. Delicious. Yum. Whoever bought those for them, they're happy. It was a mutually beneficial exchange. The person that bought the potato, the french fries, they were hungry, now they're full. The person that made those made those french fries, they have the money in their hand. They could go buy more potatoes. They could take a little bit of that extra money that they had left over, which is the profit. And they could pay their bills, do whatever they want to. That person ends up buying lots and lots of potatoes, opens up four or five restaurants, and lots of people are benefiting from the great french fries that he makes. That's okay. That's fine. But as soon as he goes to the government and makes it so that the person can't buy the property next door to open up a competing store that's going to sell better french fries, he's limiting the market competition on himself through the federal government or through the city government, that's where he crosses the line. And that is the violence side of it. That's what I mean when I say the violent side of it. So let's say, for example, he has his store. Someone tries to open them across the street. He goes to the, goes to the city council. They say, no, you can't open up that store there. It violates our zoning laws, whatever. That person proceeds to start building his store anyway, the government comes with guns and violently takes him away so that he can't build that store. That's the political means of acquiring wealth. The, the, using the government is the political means of acquiring wealth or acquiring something. So what happens is this. It's kind of like the mafia, guys. It really is. I have, a, I have my neighborhood, and the mafia comes by once a month. They knock on the door. You give them your payment, and they go. They protect your neighborhood, right? Over time, it just becomes a normal thing. Now you decide that you're not going to pay. They break your legs. They do something in front of your building so that, they, that, you, that you can't get as many customers. Finally, you pay. Then they make it right again, right? Same thing with the government. That's the same thing. But eventually, the mafia looks like the government in that way. That's the violent way to get the violent way to get acquire wealth. And that's it. The government exists only through taxation and coercion, and that's it. Whereas a private business only can get you, only can get you to purchase their product through giving you something that you want, and that's it. That's the only way that's going to happen. Unless they go to the government and limit competition, then you're forced to buy from that person. Because they've limited competition around the neighborhood Around the area And I think that's wrong But Bernie Sanders He said His idea of class warfare Is kind of like the Marxist view of it In some way And that's just saying that There's the rich and there's the poor The capitalist class and the working class And that we need to make sure that the working class Takes from the capitalist class somehow And that's it we need to actually take the factory from the capitalist class, assume that they have no value whatsoever, and work it ourselves. I don't know. I just don't think that that is the best way to do business in the world. I don't think that's. Um, I don't think that we should be having class warfare. I think it's. I honestly think it's the people versus the government in some way. A lot of times, yeah, I do believe that we need some form of government. I do believe we need governance in some way. Especially, I mean, on the federal level, on the state level, on the, on the county and the city level, it should be flattened out, it should be completely minima- minimalized. and every part of government should do something but not as much as they do now, especially on the federal level. I mean, the federal level has gone to the point where the federal government is in every aspect of your life. It's not just there to raise an army and protect the nation if we're invaded. We're in every country all over the world. We have a CIA that overthrows dictators because they say it's going to help out America. We have a CIA that fights up against, that butts up against our own military sometimes in some of these words where they're funding this group and they're funding that group and those two groups are fighting each other. This government is overburdened. It's over, it's a burden on society, every aspect of our lives. That's what we need to be fighting against. That's the class war that we would need. That's the culture war that we need to fight. Changing people's view of how they look at their government. Of what they expect from their government. Bernie Sanders, I don't know why he doesn't understand that. That there, that there is a government there, and every corporation is trying to figure out ways to limit competition, to, to profit themselves, to get more profits for their company. To get more profits for their shareholders. And they're all using the government to make that happen. They're trying to get special favors. They're trying to get laws that restrict the competition. That's all they're trying to do constantly, day in and day out. They're spending millions upon millions of dollars to get those tax breaks and those special favors and those loopholes and this and that. That's what they do because it's beneficial. If you had a, let's say, for example, you had a 10% flat tax on every person in America. That's it. There's no no, no way, no loopholes, no tax breaks, nothing, just a flat 10% and that's it. Would it really would you, would you send somebody to Washington at that point on your behalf to try to get favors? No. Everyone knows that that's what they pay is 10%. But when there's when there's tax breaks, when there's the ability to manipulate that system, you're going to send somebody there to make it happen because if you are a company that made a billion dollars last year and the government's going to take 30% of that or 35% of that, $350 million is your tax bill and you could just send, send a couple lobbyists to Washington for, a co- you know, pay them $2 million each. So $4 million and they're going to get a lot done for you where it's going to save your tax bill by a couple million or even, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 million, then that's a good investment for you. It's, you can't make that by selling the products that you have. Your net is, is huge on that. Your net, I mean, the, the net return on that $4 million is going to be $40 million or $100 million when you have a $350 million tax bill. I mean, for Amazon.com, they don't pay anything on billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that they earn in profits. And the reason why is because they have the lobbyists up there to make it happen. They do. But if there was no loopholes, if there was no tax breaks, if there was no politicians granting special favors, then you would have a lot less corruption in this world, and you'd have a lot less a lot a lot smaller of a government I just think it's very important that we realize that the fight is not the rich versus the poor the working class versus the the capitalist class it's not, that's not where the war is at the war has to be the culture and make us realize that the government has us manipulated to think that they are on our side that they're the good guy When they extract trillions of dollars out of this economy every single year and say that they're using it for good. When a third of that's going to foreign entanglements overseas. And that's, I mean, to me, that's where the fight has to be, guys. That's where the fight has to be. So that's what I wanted to talk about basically today. I appreciate you continuing to listen to the show. Um, I did want to say one more thing as well, though. Is that Jay Inslee did get out of the the race for the Democratic nomination? Jay Inslee, he is the if you don't know who he is, um, yeah, you probably have no idea who he is because he didn't get a lot of time on the debate stages either. But he was the he's the uh, governor of Washington State, and he's the one that his focus was going to be on climate change and the environment, like environmental issues, was his entire talking point on stage he brought that back almost every time he's very passionate about the climate change issue and making sure that america leads in climate change and so forth so um yeah he's out a lot of the candidates kind of gave him props saying hey we like the fact that you're pushing climate change as a you know as a key issue i'll continue that fight for you i think i heard saw elizabeth warren talk about that. i think i saw bernie sanders talk about that as well um So yeah, he's out of it, though, so that brings it down to, I don't know, I think there was 20 people on the debate stage total, two of those have gotten out, three of those have gotten out, sorry, a couple of them might be able to move in, but it really comes down to this for September, is that they have to have 2% polling in, like, I think three or four average national polls or something like that, as well as 130,000 individual contributors to their campaign in, like, 20 different states or something like that, so... Um, a lot of these guys are going to start leaving the race. I said that a couple days ago as well, after the governor of Colorado, Hickenlooper dropped out. You're going to start seeing more. I mean, they're just not going to raise the money that they need to. They're not going to be able to make their, their goals of ra- of raising the, the dollars that they need to. You're going to see it. Basically, it's going to get whittled down at this point to the, the strongest contenders, which is Bernie Sanders, um, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren. Beto O'Rourke, Pete Buttigieg, uh, maybe Cory Booker will stay in for a while. And I think you might even see um, Tulsi Gabbard stay in for a little bit longer as well. She's got she got 2% of the vote on one of the polls that they use. I think it's the econ- Economist poll, which came out recently. So she'll probably still be in it. She might even make the debate stage. I'm I'm pretty sure she will. Uh, but those are the seven that will probably still be in it after, after September. If none of the other ones make the debate stage, they'll have to drop out. Oh, That's just the way it is. Now you might see somebody, I said this before, you might see somebody come in that's like a bigger name. Um, I mean, I, I saw, I've been seeing a lot of um, Michelle Obama on Twitter lately. And I wonder if she's going to try to jump in. I don't know. I mean, she would be a pretty big name to jump in. She'd probably get the vote pretty fast as well. So uh, we'll see what happens with her. But uh, that's all I got for you guys today. I appreciate you joining me on Friday. Have a fantastic weekend. I hope that you will come on back on Monday, though. And we will have clear vision for 2020.